This very special episode features the wonderful Bulgarian gadulka player Kristina Beleva. This episode would not have been possible without the generous translation and voiceovers from fellow musician Milena Krasi. Milena was with us during the interview and it's mostly her voice that you'll be hearing. Kristina is a virtuoso of the traditional bowed instrument of Bulgaria, the gadulka, which looks a bit like an upside-down violin with usually three main strings and several resonating strings, up to 16. Kristina performs as a soloist with the ensemble Filip Kutev Folk Orchestra of the Bulgarian National Radio, The Mystery of the Bulgarian Voices, Bulgara, the Milanov-Beleva duo, and is featured on the 2019 Grammy-nominated album with David Kucherman and Lisa Gerard, Hiraith. Kristina recently released a wonderful duo album with bass player Vasil Hadigrudev, Trikop. This episode features lots of music, and we talk about both traditional music and her fusion collaborations. Good morning, Kristina. Um, joining me from Bulgaria, I, I really, uh, it's wonderful to meet you. And you have your gadulka in your hand. Okay. So if you want to start okay. with some music, no and problem. then we'll have some talking and maybe a little more music later. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. So was that an improvisation on a traditional melody? It was a uh, short uh, part from Bulgarian Rachimita. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. So can you show us the instrument a little bit? Uh, da, take a this is the traditional Bulgarian instrument called gadulka. It has three main strings, A, E and A. It has 11 sympathetic strings, which are um, resonating strings underneath the three main strings. And that's why the sound is richer and fuller. I'm curious, um, traditionally, did people use the strap or did, did people play sitting down? Was it always with the strap? 
Yes, with the belt. In the past, people uh, have used to play holding the gudukha on their knees. But nowadays, during weddings, uh, dances, uh, concerts, wherever people play, it's most comfortable. People use the belt uh, and the gudukha is placed uh, on top of the chest in the front. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So... Um, you teach traditional music? Yes, in the Music Academy. I was wondering, is it is it by ear or with music? Is it all by ear? With printed music, because there's a lot of information as methods um, and published uh, sheet music for the Gaduka. There's a lot of works written and printed, published for the Gaduka as well. The same way as in the classical um, education um, for the last decades. The way that people teach the instrument Gaduka in the music schools and in university is through printed, published uh, pieces, materials, methods, and so on. Aside of it, uh, everyone uh, could listen and could pick up by ear um, whatever they hear from other musicians and performers um, and and enrich themselves with whatever they hear from other people uh, that they like. For me, that's the extra quality of each musician to learn from others uh, and keep an open mind um, to always be learning and, and learning new things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have traditional scales that you practice? Yes, absolutely. Um, in Bulgaria, there are seven different folklore regions, and each region region uses specific uh, mode. For example, in the Strangia folklore region, most popular and often used mode is Phrygian mode, which is. In some, of, in some of the northern uh, songs, uh, people often use the Dorian mode. As a whole, the modes are used quite a lot in the different folklore regions. For example, the Hijaz, the Makam, are used quite a bit in almost all of the folklore regions. And at the same time, very, very rarely, sometimes in some places, Perhaps in Strangia uh, folklore region, maybe they're slightly leaning towards quarter tone um, sounding modes. It's almost like Makam with a very slight quarter tone. I, I can't even say it's a quarter tone um, sound, really. It's not leaning towards Turkish music, it's just nuances in the sound slight nuances in the mode and the sound of the mode i don't even know if you if if i could if someone could notate them exactly and say exactly what they are yeah you can you can hear it from time to time but not very often it's it's a very rare it exists but it's very rare um so your brother was your first teacher and then you studied with many famous teachers uh, da, 
тъй като всъщност от него, чрез него. Yes, actually, because of him, I got introduced to the Gdulka as instrument. His teacher, Dimitris Slatev, was actually also my teacher. And I'm very grateful for, to my brother for um, spending so much time with me and showing me a lot of things that he had learned um, as well. Um, you have small children and I think your, your eldest son is old enough to learn. Do you teach your son, your older son how to play? Yes, my oldest child is Boris. I have three boys. He's very rhythmical and very musical, but for now he has not reached towards the gadulka. He has a lot of respect towards the instrument and music and the arts in general, but for now he prefers to do sports. But maybe in the future, who knows? Mm -hmm. So you have um, done such interesting, what we call fusion, uh, jazz and um, all kinds of different sounds with the gadulka. Is improvisation part of your traditional training? Was that easy to transfer that? Maybe this is my vision of how the gadulka could participate in different musical collaborations. And I think that the instrument has an uh, important place not only in the traditional folk music. On the contrary, um, this is why I collaborate uh, very bravely with a lot of different musicians. And it's becoming to me more and more interesting what, uh, what happens with all these very unusual and interesting um, collaborations that I do um, with all these different musicians. Mm -hmm. So um, I love your album with a, a tree cup with Vasil, the, the, um, ah, the bass player. It's really? beautiful. <laughs> Are you doing more projects with him? Yeah, thank you. Yes, this summer uh, we have a few concerts coming up. And we're going to participate in the European Jazz Conference, which uh, this year will be held in Sofia. And we are one of the six uh, projects. Also, we would like to record a whole album. Uh, we have a few more compositions uh, that I hope that uh, we'll be able to record in the near future so that we could um, record a whole new album. With uh, Peter uh, Milanov, are you still uh, doing, working with him, with the guitar player? Yes, we still uh, play together, not as often, but we have projects in which uh, we uh, both uh, take place, including the um, project Buchimish uh, of the Mystery of Bulgarian Voices. Again, we play there together. Um, it seems like we left the duo project a little bit on the side. But uh, instead of that, we play together in uh, other uh, projects in which we have been invited to participate. We invited not as a duo, but we can, um, when we uh, make music, we still make, make music. We have the freedom to express ourselves musically the way that we usually do.
Yes, of course, uh, I will play something for sure. This is uh, a piece that is called For You and it's in memory of my mother. I was wondering, you were um, part of a Grammy-nominated album with the percussionist, uh, what's his name, David Kuchermann? Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting because I was I was finding out about him separate from you. And, yeah, and um, what was it like to work with him? I met David uh, during the project Buchemish uh, of the Mystery of Bulgarian Voices. In that same project, Lisa Gerrard was also a guest musician. And in the period of two years, we did a lot of concerts and uh, we toured. We also did a lot of recordings. And actually, David called me and invited me to participate in that album with uh, Lisa with that uh, nomination. And the combination of the sound of the hand pen and the gadulka is so warm and sounds so good together. It's like they were meant to uh, be played together. It's very beautiful. Yes, I, I bought a hand pen. I'm trying to learn to play it. So that's why I found David, <laughs> because it's a, yeah. Yeah. So you toured with the famous choir, the uh, mystery of what, what do they call them? The mystery of the Bulgarian voices. We started to uh, tour again and have concerts. We had a few concerts in Italy and we have concerts scheduled in Corsica and France. Oh, with the choir. Okay. And and you were part of a big project uh, that I was interested in 2011, the Oratorio, A Melancholy uh, Beauty, about the story of saving the uh, Bulgarian Jews during the, the Nazi time. So that was a big choir, seven choirs from the US and Bulgaria, and you premiered in, um, is it Washington or New York? Uh, yeah, this was during 2011 and 2013. Melancholy Beauty, it's an oratorio. 
written in the memory of the rescue operation to save the Bulgarian uh, Jewish people during the Holocaust. N. The composer is Georgi Andreev, who is the director of Ensemble Filip Kutev, and at the time he was also our conductor, and I was working in the ensemble at that time. This work was uh, really extraordinary, uh, big, massive, very beautiful, with very important message. And it was an honor uh, of each of us who was performing to present this epic work of music and art. We performed it in the Kennedy Center, Lincoln, and Wong Center in uh, Boston. So um, it's difficult to uh, to balance being a mother and and touring. I'm I'm also a mother. Um, are you, in a way, the pandemic? You were home, so that that was make be easier with young children. During the pandemic, actually, I was pregnant. I have twins, which now will uh, be turning one years old very soon. At the beginning of the pandemic, it was challenging until I became used to uh, this new uh, situation because until that moment the previous years were extremely intense with a lot of concerts, uh, touring and um, recordings and a lot of very interesting projects. And this huge change was something new and extremely unusual. It was so silent and so still that I was in shock uh, in the first uh, few months and I couldn't believe that this is happening in 21st century. But interestingly when I got used to the new situation and I adapted to it, new much more deep and interesting and more honest uh, ideas and things started happening. New music, new ideas. I became much uh, more brave and precise in what I wanted and what I imagined um, Beautiful. musically. And um, can you play a song you wrote during that time? Or I, I know you were, like before you were in this band, Bulgara, and it was more like rock you know different and now you're doing quieter kind of music um <laughs> we still beat them <laughs> huh <laughs> Thank you. 
Uh, we talked before, um, but we should record it now, about dancing and, and uh, working with dancers and the, the rhythms. Yes, when I was young, I used to dance folklore dances for a few years. I can definitely dance some of the more popular uh, dances called Chora in Bulgarian. It's interesting, the last 10 years, the um, love towards the Bulgarian folk dancing in Bulgaria uh, has grown a lot. And in every city in Bulgaria, and especially here in Sofia, there must be hundreds of uh, clubs for uh, folk dancing. And a lot of people from all walks of life um, go and dance there quite often which is really nice connection towards our folklore, towards our roots. With the time being connected with someone, holding hands and dancing the huro, passing this energy to uh, each other. But at the moment I prefer to be only on the side of the instrumentalists, to be just musician and it seems that lately I haven't danced much. And the Godulka in traditional folk ensembles, how is it used? What is the combination usually of instruments? In the folklore orchestra, the model that was developed in 1951 with the, um, the beginning of ensemble Filip the ensemble or the orchestra has three divisions, orchestra, choir, and dancers. And the uh, folk ensemble uh, has three cavals, two gaida, six uh, gaduki uh, divided into two groups, first and second gaduka, two tampari, a bass, and tapan. In the orchestra of the National Radio, in which I play at the moment, there are also two violas and cello because the main uh, goal to, for the orchestra is to uh, do recordings. And the viola and the cellos add to the sound of the lower strings. I was wondering, uh, a lot of your videos uh, with your duo partners are really in beautiful and, and fun. And I was wondering if you contribute to those ideas. For some, yes. Some are just concerts, the way that they look. But yes, I do share my ideas when uh, there is an opportunity for that. It depends on the group that uh, we work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's the one with the feet you did and you have nature scenes. Um. Yes, that's actually our idea to show uh, Trikop. Because the piece that we're playing is Kopanica, which is a dance. And because of that, we decided to show um, walking and dancing legs. The idea was how uh, visually the legs uh, with the music will be enough to show uh, the people 
how they could imagine what would be like to dance the dance when they're looking at the video. Could you show us a few different modes like just play the modes for us because your music is it's different scales so people can hear. Yes, absolutely. Uh, now I will show, uh, I will demonstrate hijaz. Hijaz. And now I will demonstrate the ones that are the most popular. Um, let's say Phrygian um, mode. Uh. Kopenica, which is in natural, natural minor. Sorry. <laughs> On this podcast, I recently spoke with a, um, a Kurdish uh, Kamancha player, and I was saying to him, it sounded, it sounded Bulgarian to me, some of that. He said, where do you think it came from? And of course, the Kamancha is very similar to the Gudulka. Well, here the tradition is with um, irregular rhythms, with our music is more uh, dynamically intense, where there everything is much larger. I'm talking about the folklore. Another interesting thing for my listeners is the very first episode was with a nickel harpa player. It's a traditional instrument from Sweden, and it also has all those resonating strings, just like the gadulka. That's the same. Mm -hmm. Did you study jazz? 
When I was a student and later a university student, I used to play evergreens and popular jazz standards. I tried also classical uh, music as well. But they didn't turn so well because the gadulka is not a really very developed and perfect uh, instrument. But you, st you play with jazz musicians now. So it's a real fusion, it's wonderful. And with the time, with uh, the experience of all, all the experiments that I did uh, with the sound and musically, I developed a style that um, is my own, which I find very comfortable when I uh, play the gadulka. And I would say that I got oriented uh, towards um, folk music. But my sound is, um, is, doesn't sound just like uh, a folk um, mus musician. Uh, my sound is uh, developed of all of um, these genres that I experimented with. Yes, I think that the walls between the genres have fallen a long time ago. For example, Ravi Shankar has been doing that for such a long time with Beatles. So I don't think, I don't think we're doing anything new, but maybe we're just uh, expressing our emotions, our daily um, experiences. Um, you've been so generous with your music today. I just love your playing. Would you be willing to leave us with one more song or is, is that enough? <laughs> Music. Of course. Uh, maybe. Uh. Okay. Uh, I will play Hubova uh, Simoya Goro. It's it's very beautiful Bulgarian uh, song. I love her. So. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for that and everything and your time today. Very nice to meet you. Do for uh, your invitation again and uh, yeah, for for everything. It's it's amazing we're able to connect so far. Uh, that's it's really great. Hey. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day. My life is so enriched by getting to know these incredibly inspiring creative guests and their perspectives on their lives and music. Please follow this podcast and sign up for my podcast newsletter to get sneak peeks for upcoming guests and find out about newly published transcripts.